Welcome to Lord Bear Me Strength. This is the podcast where we ask God to bear us some strength. And then we use that strength to pray without ceasing, talk about fear, and digest the issues. And sometimes we quote the office. For your edification and our enjoyment. Because we have freedom in Christ. You're Lisa. And you're Marge. Now, now Lord, Lord bear us strength. Almost got it. <laughs> so close. So I really close. need to watch the elbow. I was halfway. I know. I, I, I always look for your hand. Uh-huh. Because it's so tiny. Yeah, no, you gotta keep your eyes on it. <laughs> it's like the golden snitch. <laughs> My hand is the golden snitch. Where'd it go? <laughs> It's like those tiny hands people have. Oh my gosh. Know? Okay, so yeah, if you want to endear yourself to me, break out the tiny hands. <laughs> there is nothing more hilarious than the tiny hands. Some of my favorite Saturday Night Live sketches are the ones with the, yes, like the, the sisters arms. from the Finger Lakes, and Kristen yes. Wiig has the giant forehead uh-huh. and the tiny hands. She's basically a baby. And oh my gosh. Best, this is the best thing ever. You don't, yeah. Sorry. None of that matters. What does matter, Marge? What matters mm-hmm. is mental health. Yes, it does matter. So we're going to talk about that. Not yeah. tiny hands. If you have tiny hands, Lisa can empathize. Yes, I can. My hands are the size of a young child's. I feel like mine aren't that big, but. Hold your hand up. Yeah, see, they're not that much bigger than mine. Line up the bone. Yeah, because that's more like it. Oh, shoot. <laughs> no, my hands will make you feel. Yeah. yeah. My, my, I have really long fingers. It's bizarre. Oh, I'm jealous. Anyway. That's. Yeah. Man. Oh, I wish I had your wingspan. Do that. <laughs> Everyone would tell me, you should either play the piano or play basketball. <laughs> well, yeah, you can palm that sucker. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I didn't really do either. I dabbled in piano. I, don't, I wouldn't consider myself a pianist. Yeah, me either. Yeah, and me I either. have one right over there. Well, you're, you're more of a pianist. I'm a piano owner. I mean, it's tough when you get these stubs. <laughs> you don't it's have not, the, the You do pretty well. List. Mm-hmm. I just yeah. got to move fast, and I'm not good at that either. I want to play with you more, because mm-hmm. I miss playing with you. Uh, yeah. We should make that a, a segment. Yeah. Yeah, we mm-hmm. can jam. Mm-hmm. I'll sing. Oh, yeah. yeah. So... I just need a piano tuner, though. There you go. First. That was the first thing my fiancé said when we listened to the uh, the, the intro. He's like, he's like, that's so fun. That piano is so out of tune. Yeah. <laughs> it has character. It does. I know. Yeah. Well, that's what you yeah. said. It's there you go. kind of endearing. So, mm-hmm. It is. Yes. Yeah. It does. It adds character. Hobbs. This is not your podcast. Hobbs found another bone Boy. after we took his first it. one away. I'm going to take it. Oh, no. If you want it, you have to take it outside. Should I stick him outside? Well, I don't think he understands English. Yes, he does. That well, he says, "I'm fine with that." Do you want the bone or do you want to be in here? <laughs> All right, you ready? You can go get it. Go get it. Go get it. Hi. Okay. Today we're talking about mental health. Mm-hmm. Because last week we talked about mental illness, and that was a week ago. And not just 14 minutes ago. Right. Yeah. And we're still. And it feels totally natural. Right. We're drinking the same water. <laughs> we saved the water from last week. And yeah, it's still it. wet and cold. Yeah, because and of refreshing cohesion. Cohesion, the science of liquid water, and um, that's why we're drinking it because it's good for us. It doesn't put me to sleep like beer, and it doesn't jazz Marge up like you're putting coffee. me to sleep right now. Oh my gosh! <laughs> 
Tell me more about water. I should have gotten you some coffee. My dad works in water maintenance. Yes. So I love hearing about water. You hear about water all the time. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> so yeah, we have Jordan back, ready to talk about mental health. Yeah, part two go. of your journey. How to handle mental health. How to not handle mental mm. health within the church, maybe, yeah. also. Yeah. yeah. How to not handle mental health in the church. Mental health is not a bad word. Why, you ask? We still tell you. Because it's a good thing. It is something God wants for you. It applies to everyone. And everybody is... Everyone has a mental. Everybody has a mental and a (laughs) state thereof. And God wants that state to be health. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what he's calling you to. So don't act like it's not a thing and give people who do act like it's a thing... Don't give them crap. Yeah. Just health your mental. It's not yeah. that hard. It's right. It's in the Bible. I don't know where, but I'm sure it is. Don't question <laughs> Your me mental needs to be health. <laughs> but God does care, you know, and a message, whether implicit or explicit, to the contrary is false. And so what? we're going to... What heard. did that even mean? What did I say? I have no idea what I said now. <laughs> the message, whether implicit or explicit, is... Partial to the contrary. <laughs> that's not what I said. That's what I heard you say. No. Uh, I don't know. You'll listen back to this and it'll make so much sense. And you'll feel I bad for so. mocking me. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be like, she was so wise. I think she said it was so profound. And it was such a clear thought. It and does actually. You make a lot more sense. You do make a lot more sense in hindsight. I don't remember what it was though. But anyway. Lisa, what's mental health? Um, it's a state of health in your mental area. <laughs> in your mental cavity. Yeah. Um, gosh, like, maybe we should look that up. It's kind of a Can I look that up real fast? Because that's harder to define than I initially thought it would be. Well, I think, uh-huh. I think if, if you are a human, you have it just like a body. You have a body, it's in some condition at every point in time, mm. and that's an indicator of health. I think it's a very simple definition, it is, yeah. but yeah. it has a lot of connotations exactly. with it. I, th- I truly think there's a subconscious belief in people that you are in control of your mental health. Like, you don't see anyone saying anything to a cancer patient in any kind of judgmental way. Like, um, mm-hmm. you have um, you, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I totally have. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I've seen people... Uh, like being blamed for having cancer, for oh. having poor diets, or okay. Okay. otherwise not taking yeah. care of themselves, or, um, or something. literally in a church I used to go to, not praying enough, not mm-hmm. having enough faith. Uh, okay. Literally, if they had enough faith in God, they would not get sick. Mm-hmm. Like with anything, that was mm-hmm. the belief. Wow. Mm-hmm. So to have cancer was a huge lack of faith in God. Okay. So you... I have seen that. Yeah. I did look up the actual definition of mental health. It's basically what we said. So it's a person's condition with regard to their psychological and emotional well-being. Mm-hmm. Like I already said, it is really, it's pretty much a simple definition. <clears throat> yeah. We just complicate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. the health of your mental state. So mental health in the church. What has that looked like for you guys? Because like, we've all had our share of struggles with that mm-hmm. and... I know, Jordan, you were in and out of church a lot because mm-hmm. of all the treatment centers and everything. Mm-hmm. And you were treated differently because you had, because no one knew what to do with your mm-hmm. disorder. Mm-hmm. And and mine has been pretty recent, I would say. Mm-hmm. And I think the 
it's been dealt with similarly, mm-hmm. but not exactly the same. So, mm-hmm. and Lisa, you're a mess as well. So indeed, um, yes. I'm looking okay. up a quote to help describe mental the way mental health is handled mm-hmm. in the church as I was growing up. I think I know who said it. Well, that's probably not just one person that said it. It's this whole concept that Christians should be the happiest people on earth. Mm -hmm. And that if you really are a Christian, then even in struggles or other less than ideal circumstances, you're still going to have joy. Mm -hmm. And of course, joy is going to look like happiness. Mm -hmm. right? And so if you're not doing that, if you're depressed, if you are struggling visibly, mentally or whatever, then you must be doing something wrong. I'm joyful and triumphant. Yeah, so there's there's this real connotation that uh, there really shouldn't be any kind of mental struggle, right. mental health struggle for the Christian. Christians should be the happiest people. Because of Jesus. Right. Yeah. That, that was my understanding. Yeah. I was straight up told that too. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Jordan? I, absolutely. I would agree. Yes. Yeah. There was this um, image that um, was was never actually stated, but because everyone put on this, this face and played this game mm-hmm. of we're all great, mm-hmm. um, we put on our Sunday best. And in, this, in, that, in that way, I don't mean like dress up in your best clothes. I mean like we put on our Sunday best show mm-hmm. um, and we show up. And we're the perfect family or we're the perfect whatever, um, because that's what Christ calls us to do. And, and, and it, there's, there's, <laughs> it's, it's so, it's such a game. Mm. There is no realness to that. Mm. And it's, that was ultimately what, what drove me away from the church mm. because I just, I couldn't play the game anymore. I couldn't watch it. I didn't want to. I was leaving church every Sunday feeling worse about myself mm-hmm. than when, but then before I came and I, I, I don't know everything about God. No one does, but I do know that. I do know that that is not what he wants for us Yeah. through going to church. He does not want us to feel worse when we leave. Yeah. And that was, that was the first, um, that was the red flag for me. And a lot of what I've learned about church and how it has impacted me personally has come after I have removed myself from church. Mm-hmm. And I have been removed from church for many years now. Um, uh, like Mallory said, I was in and out of church for obvious reasons. I was in and out of treatment away from home, so I was not able to attend um, as regularly as my family was. Uh, but um, whenever I was home, I was going. And, uh, I just couldn't do it anymore, uh, because I did not see Jesus in it because mm. he wasn't in it. Mm. Um, he was not there. It was, um, rules. It was legalism. It was, uh, expectation. It was judgment. Mm. And whether or not that was the intent from people, mm-hmm. that is what was happening. And there was a blindness to it amongst everyone. And... I felt so alone because in my personal struggle, whenever it was brought up or talked about, I immediately was met with a church answer of, like I said before, check your heart. It's a heart issue. You're not close enough to God. You're not praying enough. 
you are not reading your Bible enough, you are not doing all of these things, checking all of these Christian boxes, therefore this is why you're suffering. And I was told that countless times, over and over and over again. I was told, I cannot even guess how many times someone would say, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. And after hearing that over and over and over again for years, I began to resent hearing that mm -hmm. because the implication was you're messed up. I'll pray for God to fix you mm -hmm. because you're so imperfect. And the reason you're going through this is because you are not acceptable in God's eyes. Mm -hmm. You are not being the best Christian. Mm -hmm. That became a statement of judgment. And when I was in treatment in Arizona, uh, <laughs> this is kind of a story I can tell um, that really impacted me. Um, we would, we, all the, all the girls there were in, um, houses. So I was, uh, housed with other, another group of girls and every day we would get mail from family, friends, whoever. And I was like, I was known as the male girl because I, at minimum, typically on an average day had at least five pieces of mail hmm. that I would get. And they were primarily all from people in the church congregation and all the cards did the same thing. And I mean, you can guess what they said. It's the same stuff we've all heard. Mm -hmm. We're praying for you, et cetera, et cetera, blah, 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 blah. All the Christian stuff you say to people going through something. And the girls would always be so jealous of me because, oh, Jordan got all this mail. Mm -hmm. And I, inside, just hoped every day, God, please let there just not be any mail today. Mm -hmm. Because I can't take this judgment anymore. Mm -hmm. I can't. I just, just please, just let it get lost. Let it not get here. I don't want to read it. I can't read this anymore. I can't. And, um, that was, that was how church even impacted me when I was, I was states mm -hmm. away and it was still impacting me. I still mm -hmm. knew that people were, you know, that that was there, that that was there and I, I couldn't escape it. And, um, I, through all of this, I fell so I didn't, I don't necessarily believe I fell away from God, but my perception of God made it difficult to have a personal relationship with him because I didn't feel worthy to approach him. Mm. I still have pr trouble praying mm. because I don't feel worthy. I don't feel um, like I am up to the Christian standard to be, um, to be doing something like that, to be speaking with him. Um, I am filthy. And uh, that's something I still struggle with today. I know now, I, I know that that's not true. Um, but it took years of not being in church to learn that. And that is the most, that's the thing. That is the most unchristian thing, you know, quote, unchristian mm -hmm. thing that anyone could say mm -hmm. is leave the church. Mm -hmm. But I am telling you, I have never been closer to God. And my perception of God has never been more accurate than it is now. And that is so what's. That is so the opposite of what the church would say, because yeah. that's, that's what you, that, that's what they say. You know, no matter what, you don't leave, you mm -hmm. don't leave, you stay, you work through it, mm -hmm. you, whatever. And the first rule of church is exactly. don't leave church. Don't leave. You have to yeah. be there. Don't give yeah. up forsaking or don't forsake exactly. with the brothers, you know, Not the fellowship. Yeah. And yeah. that is what I learned. I learned through leaving that I had it all wrong the whole time because, mm. because God does not equal the church. Right. Two separate, completely, th completely separate things. Mm -hmm. And we, the church confuses that. Yeah. 
and they don't see it. And that is the concerning thing, mm-hmm. is that they don't see it. Mm-hmm. Because what do you do with that? Then you're the one voice speaking out amongst many, and you're going to be shut down. Yeah. Because we have found what's comfortable. We have found these rules. Mm-hmm. We do these things, and they make us feel good, and they make us feel right with God. And in so doing, we fear him less. Mm-hmm. Because... That is where all of it comes from, I truly believe, is fear. Because God is mysterious. We can't figure him out completely. And it's it's this fear that that is the reason for all of these all of this legalism that exists in the church. Yeah. Um yeah. because because when it comes down to it, God is nowhere near as strict and stringent as we portray him to be. Mm-hmm. Preach. Yeah. It it's he he loves us period Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what we do Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if we actively struggle Mm -hmm. we do not have to be healed we do not have to fit into any kind of box Mm -hmm. to receive god's love Mm -hmm. so i don't really understand why it's so confusing for christians in the church to understand why people don't want to go to church you know why i know why it was somewhat rhetorical, you know. Like, I, I, I mean, I know. I, I know it, yeah, yeah. Tell me why. It's because mm-hmm. they're religious leaders. Yes. And they're Pharisees. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's religion. It's not exactly Jesus. Jesus plus rules is religion. Mm-hmm. And I'm not about that. Yeah. Well, I mean. And it, I didn't think of it like that for a long time, but mm-hmm. like in hindsight, you're like, dang. Yeah. It's yeah. comfortable. Think it was religion. Yeah. yeah. There it was. Yeah. Yeah. Right yeah. there. One of the biggest mistakes I believe Christians make is personifying God. And I mentioned this to Mallory before, um, because we, whether it's unconscious or not, we assign him human characteristics. And that is how we end up portraying him and how we speak about him, how we preach about him. Um, we, we make assumptions about who he is based on our own experiences. Mm. And we do this because we're incapable of not being human. Yeah. And we have to remember that God is not human. He is not a person. Mm-hmm. He doesn't deal with what we deal with. Right. So he's not burdened by guilt. He doesn't selfishly judge. He righteously judges. We can't righteously judge. We're not him. He can forgive us with no hard feelings. So... This, this is so difficult. This is such a difficult concept kind of to grasp because we're trying to understand a being that we can't understand. And in trying to understand him, we are promoting an image of him that is skewed. Mm-hmm. And we have to, we, that will happen if we aren't reflecting on what we are preaching, what we are saying constantly. Because sin will, sin will manifest itself in the skewing of who God is, mm-hmm. because that is Satan's ultimate goal. Well, that's taking God's name in vain, Absolutely. too. Applying characteristics Absolutely. to him that don't actually belong to him. Absolutely. A hundred percent. But we do it all in the name of God. Mm-hmm. It's so backwards. Mm-hmm. It's so incorrect. And what what's, what's frightening to me is that the church doesn't even see that they're doing it. Yeah. Um, I mean, and uh, I think we should add that we're not like 
specifically calling out anyone here. Mm-mm. We're no. kind of talking in a broad sense. Very yeah. much because so. Because yeah. it is yeah. an ideology that is yeah. nothing new. It's pervasive. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. like, this is not... Across denominations. This is not a denominational thing. This is not... Yeah. Like, we're not the only yeah. ones who have seen this. Right. And, um, so I, I just wanted to throw that out there. Mm-hmm. Agree 100%. Yeah. I, uh, I think a lot of times about this quote that I read. So C.S. Lewis said this thing mm-hmm. in some book. He said, we do ourselves a great disservice when we limit God to our concept of time. Mm-hmm. He was talking specifically about time. But you can replace the word time with just about anything. Mm-hmm. And it's totally accurate. And that, But that's what you're talking about. That's yeah. what we do. Because we don't know how to do anything else. Exactly. Exactly. But just like realizing that that's what we're doing mm-hmm. can be extremely helpful. Oh yeah. To you yeah. know the rest of the church, we would just like mm-hmm. take a step back. And that takes a lot of humility on our parts because yeah. you know uh, that means we don't have all the answers. Exactly, and we're not going to mm-hmm. ever. And we would we just would be better off just to accepting that mm-hmm. because. For so long, for me, I tried to, that was like my main goal in life was to figure out life, to figure out God, especially because God is like the biggest thing, you know, like the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And that caused just so much anguish for me because I could think till my head explodes and I am not going to have, I'm not going, I'm not going to ever be able to achieve that. And God makes it that way for a reason Mm -hmm. because we, we can't and we're not meant to. Yeah. And that takes having faith in him mm-hmm. and um, trusting that he will reveal himself to us when, when we need it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and just resting in him. Absolutely. Yeah. And that doesn't mean he, he doesn't want us to figure everything out. Right. He doesn't want us to. And that's what the church tries to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and we it ends like up we're called to it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it ends up in, in it results in all of these rules like yeah like exactly. rules that are not biblical like like a bizarre one like in the you'll see in the baptist church like no dancing mm-hmm. okay um Why? what about this scripture passage yeah. that says dance unto the lord like uh-huh. the stuff that's directly contradictory mm-hmm. to what the bible says and that's you know that's a small example of something there are other more you know um there are other things that too that that are just like where is how is this biblical right well it's not exactly well, yeah. also, Lisa, mm-hmm. your um, whole biblical versus Christ-like thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you talk about that? The Bible is the word of God, but not every word of the Bible is prescriptive. And there are a lot of things that God even might call somebody to at some point in the Bible that does not apply to every other Christian in the world. Mm-hmm. And there are circumstances that are very specific to... A time, a culture, a place, or whatever that we might see in the Bible, and that have no business being applied to our current lives. Absolutely. And so there is, I see a lot of general confusion, uh, well, especially when you limit what you're reading or taking instruction from to a tiny little verse. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. one sentence out of the entire Word of God that's meant to be looked at as a full picture instead of, you know, it's kind of like. I used the example last time of a magic eye, but it's like you walk up to a Monet painting and you put your nose on it. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to see nothing because you don't have enough light to see anything. You're blocking the light out with your giant head. But then what you do see is like just a splotch. Yeah. 
And you know, Monet paintings can be huge mm-hmm. and take up whole walls, and you got to step all the way across the giant room of the museum to see it all. And that's what we do with the Bible. Mm-hmm. We get our faces all up into it, mm-hmm. and we're like, this is the way it must be. Yeah. We are missing the whole picture, and that's what the life of Christ is. Absolutely. That's the picture that we're supposed to look at. So Absolutely. if we're doing something and Christ isn't in it, then stop. Mm-hmm. There's so much danger in getting stuck in semantics. Mm-hmm. And people do that when they read the Bible and they preach. Um, because uh, I know fully well from personal experience what, how much getting stuck in semantics can skew reality. Mm. For me, that took its took the form of, of OCD because mm. everything was ritualistic, and mm-hmm. it was it was all of my fears were then um, relieved through compulsions. And it's, it's really no different. And that was what was, was bizarre for me because I witnessed that in my own life and knew that nothing good came from it mm. while I saw it in the church as well. Mm. I went to church and it was a ritual. Mm-hmm. And there is nothing mm. good that comes from that. Mm. I was told once um, there was a point in time where I was meeting with a pastor to speak about some of my... Um, struggles. And he said, I was, I was talking with him about my OCD and he said, uh, after I kind of finished saying what I wanted to, he looked at me and said, you know, Jordan, I truly believe that the only good compulsion is God. And that statement bothered me at first. And I didn't necessarily know why. And after thinking about it more, I realized why that bothered me so much because I don't agree with it. I do not agree with it at all. And the reason I don't agree with it is because I know what a life looks like that is controlled by obsessions and compulsions. I live it every day. I still do. Mm -hmm. And a lot of obsessions and a lot of compulsions, I should say, a lot of obsessions are in and of themselves good things. But because they're obsessed upon and ruminated over to an unhealthy level, that innately good thing is then skewed. God is the best thing. And if we are constantly looking at him way up close, like like you said, Lisa, and trying to um, just figure him out using our own mental capacity or whatever you want to call it, I mean, it's, it's going to be skewed. There's, there's no way around that. It's going to be skewed because we are not God. We are not perfect. Mm-hmm. And therefore, we don't have all the answers. So, no, I, I absolutely disagree with that statement. God is not the only good obsession. There is no good obsession. Mm-hmm. But by his grace, he reveals himself to us if we, if we look at him and approach him with the right intention and having accepted that we're not going to have him figured out and that's okay. That's freedom (laughs) is, is not having to have all the answers and God, that's a gift. That's a gift from him. He doesn't want us to be obsessed because he knows in our humanness, in our imperfection, that will not result in something good. I'm going to write down what you said. That will become skewed. Mm -hmm. And I can testify to that because I have lived that. I, I have obsessed about many things, many innately good things. And 
they have ended up making me miserable and skewing so much of so much of my perception about a variety of things. And it doesn't matter that they're good. Mm-hmm. What matters is that the obsession is not. So you're saying if you're obsessing over something good, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, what do you want to say, for example? It can be anything. It can be anything. A, a person, a loved one, it can be uh, really anything. Mm-hmm. That doesn't matter. Yeah. So it will obs- become unhealthy. You're obsessing over this good thing. Yeah. And you're saying that it's being skewed mm-hmm. because you're too close to it and because you're putting all of your brain power into this one thing. Yes. Where God has given you multiple things to put mm-hmm. your like your mm-hmm. energy into. And so obsessing over God is bad because you're putting all your time into God. What do you mean by that? When I say obsessing over God, I want I meant to... What I mean is in relation to kind of what happens in the church, because when you obsess about something, it becomes this system of rules and rituals. And that's what I mean when I say skews, Mm -hmm. because that is not a life of freedom. Rituals are not freedom. Rules are not freedom. Legalism is not freedom. That's the stuff that we're seeing in the church. We see rules and rituals and legalism. And that is a result of the skewing that Mm -hmm. has come from looking at God too close, trying to figure him out, trying to, you guys have said before, put him in a box when he's not. Right. And you can't make him be in one. So in not putting God in a box and not obsessing over God in one facet or another, or, um, we don't, yeah. Or getting Mm -hmm. too close Mm -hmm. in that picture of Mm -hmm. looking at a painting. Mm -hmm. Um, the antithesis of that would be to see God bigger. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Because God doesn't God doesn't want us to obsess about him. He doesn't want us to figure him out. He wants to just reveal a, himself to us in time. And we try to like we try to make it happen on, like of our own accord. Like we can't do that. It's it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It's not how he designed it to work. Right. And something something Nothing good is going to come from that because that is the nature of obsession. Mm -hmm. And I know that that's a very strong word to use. And I think that some Christians would probably recoil at me using that word, but I can use it because I, I know what that is. And I have seen it in my own life, my personal life outside of the church. And I have seen it in the church. I have witnessed this happening and there is no other word for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, This isn't just happening. Yeah. This is happening to other people. I'm kind of all surrounded by it. Exactly. Yeah. And um, seeing through the charade started to really impact um, my perception of church for what it was. Because for so long during all of this, I wasn't questioning. Mm-hmm. I wasn't questioning because it, it all, it was the way it always had been. Yeah. And it was the way it was supposed to be. And I was just supposed to be a good Christian. And I remember vividly. When I first started to struggle, my parents would uh, ask me repeatedly, can we put you on the prayer list? Oh, can we put you on the prayer yeah. list? Can we put you on the prayer list? And I would always mm-hmm. say, no, like, no, no. Finally, after the you know billionth time they asked me, I was like, fine, yes, just, just do it. And like, I am not kidding. Things like the next Sunday um, after that had finally been like public, you know, everyone kind of knew, yeah. um, but it had been like publicized or it just makes it sound so, <laughs> uh, 
um, organizational. Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, ever it, once it had been publicized, you know, the next time I went to church, everything just kind of like erupted mm. for me. And I was just, for lack of a better word, stifled by these Christians and all of their well-meaning messages. And, their and love. Exactly. And, um, that is not how it was received. Yeah. Uh, and you both completely understand that. I know in your own stories. Um, I mean, yeah. It was destructive. And that was the last thing I needed. You didn't know that at the time, though, did no, you? No, I didn't. No, absolutely not. What did I, you, you thought less of yourself? Absolutely. I was so burdened by guilt. Um, I was so burdened by guilt without people trying to, quote, help me in the church. So that, on top of the other stuff, was just, I mean, it was a miracle I could get out of bed every day. I mean, the weight of that guilt and shame. Like I said, I would go to church and feel worse when I left because that is all I heard. Um, Because that is all that was ever preached. There was no real anything. People weren't. People weren't being forward. They weren't being open. They weren't being real. It was fake. And that. And you should be happy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But, you, but you should be happy because, because you have God and that's all you need. Mm-hmm. And he should be enough for you. God is, God is the answer. Um, you hear that all the time. God is the answer. Yes, I fully agree with that. Really? That. What's seven times six? Wow. God. So okay. sassy. Also 42, which is the meaning to life, the universe, and everything. Yeah. Jordan! Yes, Mallory! You're back! I am! (laughs) (laughs) With more questions. How'd you get in here? (laughs) So quiet. Anyway, you have a question for us? I do. I heard that you do. I have a question, yes. Okay. So, hopefully this is a fun one. Who would you want to play you in a movie about your life? That's a good one. Can I Why say are you smiling? <laughs> Just thought of a funny answer. <laughs> you thought of a funny answer? I was thinking of like Brian Baumgartner or whatever his name is. What? <laughs> Who is that? Kevin from the office. Oh. <laughs> I feel like he'd do me justice. <laughs> <laughs> Needs a wig. <laughs> I will pick your actor. Oh no! You okay. can pick mine. Yeah. Okay. Oh boy. Mm-hmm. Are we doing like based off of looks or or both? Like, Every all of it. Okay. The full package. Who captures in a movie about your life? Uh huh. I mean, I have I have an answer for real. Yeah. For myself. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can pick one, but you'll probably agree with me. Angela Kinsey. Really. Mm-hmm. Right. Hmm. Yeah. I've seen her do humorous things. You see, know. I haven't, so I can't even. I just know her yeah. as Angela. I don't see her being. Well, go ahead. She's miniature, like yeah. myself. Uh, and, you know, you just dye that hair red, good to go, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You have, like, big shoes to fill in terms of personality. So, like. I think she can handle it. Really? Mm hmm. The other I'm one. To picture it. It's possibly, I mean, most people, I feel like, oh, I shouldn't say that because it would be a slight to Angela Kinsey. I was going to say, like, most actresses I can think of are, like, too pretty to play me. <laughs> Thinking of, like, Emma Stone. She's not old enough. She could play younger me, but, like, she's 
too cute. <laughs> probably too tall. Whatever. Uh, she has red hair. It's probably fake. Yeah, I gotta think of who's gonna play Marge. My first, like, I just think of redheads at first. Mm -hmm. I know, yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking, like, who would do your personality justice? It would probably be, like, a comedian of some sort. Like, Amy Poehler or something. You know? Yeah. Someone who can do people. She's, like, too confident. Amy Poehler's too confident to play me. Yeah, that's true. Could be a deceased actress, too. Yeah. My first Betty thought. White. Oh, Lucille Ball. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, Betty White would be, yeah. That's good. Betty White. Yeah. Could. Carol Burnett. <gasps> Carol Burnett. Oh, I'd be so honored. Oh, my gosh. She could do you. Oh, she, she could do could anything. Totally do oh, my goodness. Oh, I love Carol Burnett. She's not dead. She could still make it. <laughs> she, I think she's immortal. Yeah. <laughs> she will outlive us all. Yeah. Um, oh, I like that answer. She'll play your younger self. Yes. <laughs> At age 85, <laughs> she can play my younger son. At <laughs> I mean, she's awfully tall and confident, too, but oh my goodness. Mm. She was one of my first female oh, she's heroes. Okay. You know? So, yeah. Cara Burnett. Yeah. And my first thought for myself was Madeline Kahn. I'd be honored to have her. Madeline Kahn? Because um, I was also thinking of Catherine Hahn. You know that oh. is? Yeah. I guess so. Uh, is that her name on Parks and Rec? No, on Parks and Rec, she's, um, what's her name? Jen. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's who yeah. I was thinking of. That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. I like her. Yeah. She has the personality to yeah. pull it off. Yeah. Madeline Kahn is very dead. but she's, she, she did die, yes. Do you know who she is? Yeah, she did the voice of the rich lady rat on American Tale. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's who I want to play me. <laughs> we play to we wees the secret weapon. I am so lost. We have never seen that movie. So <laughs> oh no! Very... It's a classic. Put it on the list. Okay. I mean, one of my favorite. The list. I like Catherine Hahn though. I like that idea. I think that's a good one. Mm. I had to the look. List. I had to look her up, but. <laughs> Yeah, now you're feeling it? I guess so, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You should see her on Parks and Rec. I mean, she has a lot of range as well. She plays a pretty specific mm-hmm. character on Parks and Rec, mm-hmm. but she is just, um, she's talented. Yeah. Good answers. Mm-hmm. Good answers. Uh, like, she was in Young Frankenstein. Yes! Yes, that makes more sense that that is where you would know her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's hilarious. I've never mm-hmm. seen and she's in Clue. I mean, the world was <gasps> robbed. Yeah. I've seen Clue. I love Clue. Yeah. Yeah. You like Clue? <sighs> Never mind. Emotions. I don't hate it. I do not hate I like it okay. I feel like if I had been exposed to it sooner in my life, it would be one of my favorites. But I only encountered it when uh, Gia came along. Okay. Gia had us watch it. And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still a little weird. You know, I just... <laughs> I love Clue. The list. It's, it's absolutely, <laughs> put it on the list. We will. Hey, go she's over still it. wearing the friendship ring, though. So you know. Yeah, it's not <laughs> over yet. We're still. <laughs> she hasn't. She hasn't burned it yet. <laughs> I'm taking this friendship bracelet off and I'm throwing it in the dirt. Jordan, who would play you? What do you think? I don't know. I truly don't. <gasps> know. Kristen Chenoweth. <laughs> Well, she's no, for short. you. Oh, for me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> short to play, I'm like, Jordan. I am way taller than <laughs> yeah. her. But okay. She's too you southern to play you. 
I mean, or, uh, oh, who's that? Or Amy Sedaris. Yeah, that? uh, she plays the secretary on Elf. She's been in some other oh, stuff yeah. too. Oh, she's yeah, funny. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Uh, but no, we're talking about Jordan. Oh yeah, Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. See, Jessica this, Chastain. Like this is so hard for me because I yeah. really just generally don't like Hollywood or anything. I know. I really actors, I don't so, pay a whole lot of like, attention. I, <laughs> it's just so like I don't want anyone to. I don't. If I I don't want anyone to play me. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, uh, I picked the dead lady. Huh? <laughs> I what? I mean, I picked a dead lady. True. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. I, I, I really don't have an answer on that one. I choose Jessica Chastain. Jessica Chastain. Final mm-hmm. answer. Okay. Done. Yeah. The or Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. I can see that. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I don't see that. No? Mm. She's so... Scarlett Johansson's just so... Mean. <laughs> Mean. So I don't know. That's not the right word. But she, I don't know. She doesn't ever smile unless I smile. She's not super subtle. She smiles more than Brie Larson. Brie Larson could play me too. No. See, I think Scarlett no. Johansson could play me too. To annoy you. Uh. Also, I think she's. I think. I think I relate to her. Yeah. To Brie Larson. Being just dry. Hmm. And I, I like her. Hmm. Give her the French so. ring. <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> if you don't like Brie Larson, you don't like me because we're the same person. Uh, no, I disagree. Absolutely not. Yeah. No. You have personality. <laughs> she is too. No. It's no, just she doesn't. Dry. No. Whatever. It's a bad personality. You've been demoted to John Wayne. <laughs> Danny DeVito shall now play me. <laughs> <laughs> But when he looks like the penguin in Batman. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. You get Penguin DeVito. I take it back. I love Brie Larson. Let's get her on the podcast. Okay. I can't say, I can't say I had a positive experience with therapy. I have known others who have, though. Mm. So I am of the, I am, I fully support getting help if you want help for yourself, because mm-hmm. that was my experience. I never, it was always for the wrong reason. It was always to make someone else happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I absolutely believe that, that therapy and medication for some people, I, I took basically every medication on demand and mm. it never was helpful for me. It in fact made things worse. Mm. Everyone's different though. Yeah. I've seen medication work wonders for other people. Mm-hmm. So I fully support them doing that. Um, as far as other resources go, for me, my biggest resource was getting out of it, mm. um, which isn't the typical story for people. I was very helped by leaving that, um, figuring out how to help myself outside of all of that, because that's all I ever knew. Mm-hmm. How did you figure that out? How did you, like, were there books or anything no. you listened to? No, and that's that's the, that's the thing. It's so fuzzy because Mm. um I just I finally had time to just be my own person and figure out what worked for me because I had never been allowed that because typically when people go into therapy it's they've tried and it hasn't worked for them so they pursue help for me I was thrown into it and it was actually getting out that really helped me um like Mallory had said I found that independence Mm. and I pursued things I got out of the house I became my own person I you know, took responsibility for things and mm. 
that was um, what has uh, been most helpful for me. And I do want to add, like, at the end of this, I, uh, I'm not healed. Like, I still struggle with these all these things actively. Um, and that was a big, huge thing to learn for me because for so long I felt that uh, in order to be what everyone else wants me to be or be a true Christian, I have to be healed. Mm. And that's not true. That God accepts me where I'm at and the state I'm in, no matter what. Mm -hmm. Because I don't have some big, like, redemptive ends to my story, like, redemptive moment to my story. I still actively struggle with all these things. Um, They're very much a part of my life still. I have just learned that that I am not my mental health. Mm. And that I'm also not, that God knows I am not my mental health. That I'm Jordan. Mm -hmm. And I'm Jordan in spite of all my struggles. Everyone is. Everyone has them. Everyone has struggles. We can't pretend we don't. And we should stop pretending we don't because God sees through it. Yeah. And we're not fooling anyone. No, we're not. We're just hurting ourselves. Yep. And we're hurting others yep. by being fake and not being upfront and mm-hmm. real. Um, because we all know everyone's going through stuff. It's like this elephant in the room <laughs> that no one talks about, but we all know it's there. Well, like I do so. now, but as a youth Mm -hmm. i did not i thought everyone had it figured out i was the only idiot absolutely i was in the same boat yeah nobody has it all together and no one knows exactly what's going to be the best thing for you except god so in finding help we've all we all have our stories of uh people we've gotten help from that have not been helpful that have been harmful and I just want to like tell people that there, there, there are people out there who can give you the help you need in the moment that you need it, and God will provide those people for you. And like, even though if you don't have them at the time, like they will come, and it's gonna get better because God didn't create us to be here to just suffer. He created us to be here to like enjoy things and to enjoy each other, and with all that comes suffering. But um. There's a bigger picture going on, and that's uh, really, I, I'm just rehearsing what we've already been talking about here. So Jordan's experience with therapy hasn't been great, but like I, I had, I've had two therapists, and the first one was really confusing for me, and I didn't really get much out of it. And again, I was like made to go to that therapist, and it was, and I didn't want to go to a therapy uh, because I was so ashamed of what I was dealing with and then years later I went to therapy and it was because I wanted help and I saw that I needed help and I knew what I needed help with and I didn't know what I needed I needed someone but I did know that I needed someone to help me understand what I needed so um, and that has been life-changing for me uh, learning learning that I'm not crazy for having feelings and uh, learning that I'm not alone either and most everyone has some sort of mental health problem right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I just want to maybe put some positivity out there because there's, there is some, there are some really helpful people, resources, like I'm going to attach some information in the description of like, people you can call. If you do experience people who aren't being helpful for you, like, I just encourage you to keep trying because they're out there and it's worth it.
but also feel free to have good boundaries with those unhelpful people. Like, you are allowed to have that agency in your life to say, you are not good for me at this time, and so I'm not going to keep making myself vulnerable to you at this time. Right. Yeah. And God sees that as good. Mm-hmm. He does. There, I think we fixed everything. We got that one fixed. Yeah. Mental health is fixed. Done. Well, I think you've communicated very clearly on this subject and telling your story. Thanks so much for having me on. It was such a privilege. Thank you. I adore you both. So. As you should. Yes. Well, we're pretty you adorable. out of obligation. Okay. <laughs> so. We're pretty adorable. <laughs> you are pretty adorable. <laughs> You and you sitting there with your friendship rings. <laughs> Suck it. <laughs> it was so left out, guys. Uh, well, I mean, you've got a pretty nice ring. Uh, yeah, I'll keep mine. Yeah. You yeah. got your own friendship ring. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's what that is, right? <laughs> sure. Basically. Jordan, will you be my <laughs> It reminded me of the SpongeBob episode. Remember? What? It's the best friends forever. Best oh. friends forever. Ring. Ring. I thought that was ding. It's a ring. Oh. <laughs> that Something makes a lot more sense. Mallory has had an epiphany. <laughs> Her whole life Her makes sense changed. now. Yes. That they put on look, rings. Look at that clarity happening. Wow. I had to stick some SpongeBob in there. So. Yeah. No, we quote The Office on this I'm podcast, sorry. Jordan. Come I've on. watched The Office, but yeah. I am not like you guys level office, so I feel. That's probably good. Yeah. We've wasted a lot of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> things are based if you learn from it. That's true. What did we learn from the office, Marge? What exactly? That it's funny. Okay. That's true. Redeemed. Hilarious. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Bye. Lisa's basically grandma. As we've established, I am old enough to be your mother. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not recommended. But no. Yeah. It would have been, you know, sad yeah. teen pregnancy situations, but yeah. possible. Mm-hmm. I was menstruating by the time you were born. Fascinating. Yeah. Please tell me more. On my 13th birthday. Okay. Yeah. <laughs>